It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS. Twitter TV slash Asian Three. Maybe if we're. I don't want to promise anything, but maybe a Ryder Cup red zone? Possibly? Maybe. We'll think about that. Twitch.tv slash Asian Three. If we're going to do something like that. Possibly. We'll see. Um, so maybe we'll do that. But I don't, I'd have to figure out the graphics. Okay, maybe I'll do that. I got to figure it out. So give me some time on that. But maybe we'll do it. And if we do it, Twitch.tv slash Asian Three. So just thinking out loud there, that would be a Ryder Cup Sunday singles into maybe the Red Zone stream. So maybe we'll do that on Sunday. That'll be fun. All right. On this program, this Thursday edition of the pod, NFL, some early season headlines, some three kind of stories that I'm seeing uh, that I wanted to touch on. You know, I can't just do one in the kickoffs. We'll do a couple there, three, few. Into an NFL Week 4 preview, college football Week 5 preview, weekend soccer preview, Ryder Cup preview. Then we'll do star pool locks and pick six at the end of the program. So we'll talk some NFL early season headlines, preview all the games in NFL Week 4, look at the top 25 games in college football Week 5, talk about the footy across the pond, and speaking of across the pond, Ryder Cup in Italy. We will look ahead to that action for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, it's always weird. Like you get to a Ryder Cup week, and you know it takes forever for it to start because they're always there on you know Sunday or Monday, and then you don't play till Friday. That's it's a long week. It's a long time to wait. I, I do not envy those guys at all. Like that's that's got to be a wait for, especially if you like you don't go in the first day, you don't play in the first or second session, like. That weight has to be horrendous. But some guys do it. God bless. So we'll talk Ryder Cup at the end of the program, and then we'll do Star Pullox and pick six, of course. So kick it off. NFL early season headlines. Seen a lot about the Eagles sneak, the tush push, so we'll talk about that. Uh, Sala is trying to mend the schism in the Jets locker room, which might not just be offense versus defense. It might be everybody versus Zach Wilson. So we'll touch on that. And then Jonathan Taylor... According to Shefty, he doesn't want to play for the Colts anymore. So that's the third story we'll take a little deeper dive out. So we'll start with the tush push. Um, you know I don't like it. And it's not just because it's the Eagles. I, I have nothing against Hurts. Like, I've never – I think Hurts' story is amazing. And if you would ever win a Super Bowl, it's one of the more inspirational, motivational stories that any young athlete in any sport can um, draw inspiration and motivation from. If, and even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, it's still, it's still a great um, career to this point, right? So I'm not knocking Hurts. You know I don't like Sirianni. You know I'd rather have the Eagles not be a very good team, but it's also the NFL is good when the Eagles are good. That's that's I, I will give a big compliment to the Eagles. Their fan base, um, their competitiveness in the division, the league is better when the Eagles are good, that's for sure. Um, so I got no beef like that other than they're in the division and the same team I root for and we're great rivals. But this play, um, and credit Richard Sherman, I thought he made a good point, and I don't always agree with Richard, so for me to give him credit, I think, is giving me credit. <laughs> but the point is, he says the NFL is talking about player safety, player safety, player safety, and then you got guys you know, going low intentionally to clear a pile. You got guys pushing, like... That seems kind of dangerous, and I'm sure, and I'm pretty sure it's a penalty on defense if you do something like this in a special teams play against uh, an extra pointer, a field goal attempt, right? It, it's a penalty. So I've never, I have not liked it. I got no problem with you sneaking on third down, fourth down. That's fine. You want to tighten up your line because you trust your guards and, and your tackles and your center, Kelsey. Sure, I, I understand that, but. That touchdown, Goddard pushes him in. And people are like, he didn't get pushed in. Goddard has both hands on him and is pushing him. What are we talking about? So, if you want to say he can't get pushed from behind, at, at least that's a step in the right direction. And then at least you know, like, 
the second surge or the second win from that quarterback isn't going to be aided by three people pushing him. Right? People are like, well, maybe the defense should start pushing people. That's not the point. That's not the point. Um, and, again, I like Hurts a lot. It's an outstanding story. He's an outstanding athlete. You know, I got no crazy beef like that. But, you know, you see these people that are like, injure him, hurt Kelsey. Like, that's, I don't like that. That's kind of lame. Now, I understand it. I'm not going to sit here and say, I've never thought about that. It's very hard to vocalize that kind of stuff. And you shouldn't vocalize that stuff. But I can't sit here and say, I wish that guy was out of the game. I've said it. I've thought it. Now, you don't go out there saying, I hope somebody breaks his leg. That's a little much. I hope he gets a good cut. That's a little much, right? I understand the frustration from other fans. Because I've been frustrated about this play for a while. I just, to me, it's not a football play. For the people saying it's like a rugby play, you're right. And I agree 100%. That's another reason I don't like it. It's not a football play for me. A quarterback sneak is. The quarterback trying to find a wedge in either A gap or even shifting over to a B gap possibly, like that's a football play. Getting pushed from behind and causing a scrum for one yard, that's not a football play. That's not the sport I love. So I want it out of the game. And again, a regular QB sneak where – the Eagles guard center guard line up right on top of each other with no split and the tackles are in and they're shooting fine as long as he doesn't get pushed from behind we gotta at least start there because I don't think there's a way that we can say well the offensive lineman splits have to be a footprint apart well what's a footprint and is that on every down because what about on extra points and field goal attempts because they always line up like the splits are on top of each other for those field goal attempts like I just I don't think we can do anything necessarily with the line, but what we can do with the rule, stop the pushing from behind. That's got to stop. That's not football. And I've I've made this argument. I think it's just happening to more teams now this year. And again, if you're going to line up behind the center and sneak it and get a yard the old-fashioned way, I got no beef. No qualms about that. The second you got three guys lined up behind you, they're all pushing you forward, that's when I have an argument. That's when I have an issue. That's when I have a problem. And I think it's a really simple solution. You can't push it from behind. Now, it's different when running backs are downfield or there's a pile and the offensive lineman pushes the ball. That's different. Because we've had a football play up until that point. This tush-push play is not a football play. The second it can become a rugby play, it does. Because the tight ends are next to the quarterback, behind the guards and centers. Center. Like, come on. So, I don't like it. I've never liked it. I think it's an easy fix. You can't push them from behind the quarterback and the quarterback sneak play. You can't push them from behind. Very simple fix. And again... If it was any other team, I'd be complaining too. And if it was the Cowboys that would be doing this, I'd be like, hey, I, I don't like this. This doesn't seem right. I would say that. And you'd be like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. So the tush push, I don't like it. It needs to be fixed. Uh, Robert Sala next here. He's trying to mend this schism in the Jets locker room. I think it's unmendable. As long as Zach Wilson is the quarterback of this team, with high expectations, with an offense that has tremendous talent, with a defense that has tremendous talent, with a team that had big, big, big ideas this season about making runs and possibly winning a Super Bowl. Wilson's not ready to even be a quarterback on a team that can win a division possibly competed for a division so to have him step in here is unfair to him it's unfair to his teammates it's unfair to the fans because maybe down the line two three years Wilson develops and 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 becomes a more in rhythm passer and all that kind of stuff it can still happen but right now he's not ready 
and it's unfair to the rest of that locker room to have that much talent in that locker room to have that guy continue to play quarterback for you snap in and snap out of this season. Because Rodgers, he's the guy, right? He was the guy to come in, bail the Jets out, and get them back to a place that they had not been in a very long time. He goes down very early, first drive, and now the keys just get handed over to Wilson, who is not ready and clearly is not ready. So you turn to Trevor Simeon. That's a dumbness. You got to... And Carr got hurt, so Jameis is now starting, right? Um, you've had other quarterbacks. You know, Dalton played a game because Bryce Young was on the mend. He looked good. Now his his you know, value will probably go up if you go trade for it. So the Jets, uh, it's unfair to Wilson. It's unfair to Wilson's teammates. It's unfair to the fans. It's not right. And it is an ability question right now. He does not have the ability to win football games for this team. Not saying he can in the future, but right now he cannot do it. So unless you're going to punt on the season in September, you got to go get a Heineke or somebody. You got to go get somebody. And it's not Trevor Simeon. No offense to Trevor Simeon. But what are you doing? So if you're going to punt on this season, just come out and say it. Hey, we're sorry to the vets and our team. We got we to gotta punt. It's unfortunate to our fans. Um, our season ended in the fourth place. Like, it's it's historically hasn't been done as we know. You know, it hasn't been. But at least that's the truth. At least that's a message, because the message you're sending right now is, "Hey, we're punting on the season, but we're not going to tell you." Because if you keep trotting Zach Wilson out there, you're going to get more than just anonymous guys talking to reporters. You're going to get guys talking to the media in their press, being like, oh, Vince isn't good enough. Our quarterback's not good. Like, you're going to get that. And I don't necessarily blame Salah, but he's the guy that can kind of put an end to it. Like, hey, fellas, listen, we're all going through it. The anonymous stuff ends. Enough, right? You got something to say. We address it as a team. And I got Zach's back. He's my quarterback. You know, like, he's got to do something. Because it's gotten out of hand. Like you got Namath. What is Joe Namath? We, nobody needs you to comment right now. You may be a like you could be a hundred percent right. But do the Jets really need you to say something right now? Probably not. But I don't know. Like, is Salah to blame entirely? No, but he's the guy that can kind of at least put a bandaid on this for a little bit. Until Zach Wilson at least gets better, or they they go get a guy that can be a stopgap until next season for Rodgers. But to keep trotting him out there, I'm going to say it again. It's not fair to him. He's not good enough. He's not ready to play on this team. It's not fair to his talented teammates. Wilson, Sauce Gardner, the def- Mosley. The defense is very, very good. And offensively, they have some good players and playmakers. And the f- the four Jet fans who went from, we got the number two pick, this guy's good, to, oh my God, he stinks. Oh my God, he was hurt. Maybe he's okay. To, we got Aaron Rodgers. He wanted to come to our team. To, oh my God, Zach Wilson's back. I, it's brutal. I, I really feel for them. I truly do. I feel for the Jeff fan. Let me wrap it up with the Colts here. And their star running back, Jonathan Taylor. And according to Schefter, he doesn't want to play for the Colts again. So he's due to come off the pup list after this week. You really haven't heard a lot out of him regarding the injury status or returning to practice or really anything this is kind of the first reports we've heard from a while like really 
when he got placed on the pup, that's kind of when the headlines started dying down because the headlines were, you know, every day was a story about Jonathan Taylor almost. And it really got quiet. And I think after this week, especially, we're going to get the headlines to um, start ramping up again. So for him to say he doesn't want a cult, want to be a cult, he wants to go to a team that can pay him guaranteed money for a lengthy contract in the running back's eyes because he's one of the guys that was in those meetings, was talked about as had to be um, an example, you know, one of these guys that very talented at the position can be a market setter, you know, in these years where their contracts come up and stuff like that. But him saying he doesn't want to play for goals, big deal because there are some teams that could use a running back. Now, are those teams willing to say, yes, we'll trade for you and here's a new contract? Or is it more the lines of, hey, it's a rental. We know you're a rental. Like, we're going to run you into the ground. Like, what does he think about that? So, um, and Moss has done a nice job for the Colts, to be fair. So, if they were going to move on from him, it's not like they're getting, um, it is a drop-off for sure. Taylor is a superstar when he's healthy, and Moss has done a really nice job, but he's not a superstar yet. So, I, it's a, it's an interesting spot for the Colts to be. Because they don't necessarily have to do anything with him. They'd be like, you're playing. What are you talking about? So, we'll see. That's going to be an interesting... Because we've had the precedent set with Le'Veon Bell to sit out a season. You know, that had not happened until that point. However, here we are. So, is Taylor going to be one of those guys? Is he going to not get a trade and then continue to sit out. We'll have to see it play out. All right, NFL week four preview Thursday night, Detroit, Green Bay. Detroit famously beat Green Bay last year in Lambeau last week of the season to keep the Packers out of the postseason. Uh, For me, Packers are historically, we know the better team. They historically win these matchups. Detroit can, you know, pop up a few years at a time and say, no, it's our turn. And usually they go to Lambeau and get beat. Now the difference is they're going for two in a row in Lambeau. And it was so recent in the sense of games played that that is in the Packers fans' mouth still, the way they got eliminated by the Lions. So, I'll say Lions hang around and make it interesting. Packers find a way to win the game. Kind of like how they did last Sunday. They found a way to win the game against the Saints. They didn't have their best stuff. They were making mistakes even into the third and fourth quarters. But they took a lead. Yes, the Saints kid misses the kick. That would have put him down late. But he missed the kick. So, I think Packers find a way Thursday night. It might not be impressive. It might even be that Detroit kind of blows it. But Packers find a way over the Lions on Thursday night. Atlanta and Jacksonville at Wembley. Might have to check out this uh, Disney Plus Toy Story broadcast starring it. It looks kind of fun. So, you might be checking that out. I think both offenses kind of bounced back after a very poor showing last week. I think there's playmakers on both of these offenses. I think even though Ritter hasn't been great away from home, um, this is kind of a different game. This is not a traditional NFL away game. It's a different environment than a normal away game. So I will say I think both offenses respond. I think Jacksonville just scores a few more points. Something probably in the 50s between the two teams. Uh, give me Jacksonville. Pittsburgh and Houston. I think Houston will not score like they did against uh, Pittsburgh like they did Jacksonville. Pittsburgh has a very good defense. And I think 
you know, Pittsburgh offensively, they're not taking a bunch of chances because they know their defense will keep them in a lot of games. So Pickett might not be forcing the ball down the field or, you know, they are running the ball with Harris and Warren a little more than some people would like like them to do. But they keep the clock moving. They keep their defense fresh. Their defense gets a turnover and sets their offense up. And then Boswell always makes long kicks. So the worst case you do, like, if you get set up, you should be still walking away with three points if you're Pittsburgh. I think Houston got really, really up for the last one um, to get Coach Ryan's first win. I think it was super important. And the Steelers, like, Mike Tomlin is just one of the best coaches for me. I think you all understand what he has to do to get a road win here, and I think they find a way in a low-scoring game to get one. Rams and Colts in Indy. I think they're begging you to take the Colts, so I'll go the other way with the Rams here. Rams, I think, were a little unlucky with some of the pass protection they had against the Bengals. Hendrickson and Hubbard were just animals, and I think if Stafford had a little bit more time offensively, they were able to exploit some of the Cincinnati uh, back end, whether that was for go balls with Atwell and that, that those kind of plays, and uh, you know even Higby coming out of the the, the formation there um, next to tackles and, and being able to run those out routes and get open if the, if Stafford did have the time. So I think Rams bounce back after the loss against Cincinnati. I think Indy fortunate to win in Baltimore. Their kicker made a lot of long kicks, and then Tucker missed the game winner. Uh, obviously, you give them credit, um, but I think they were fortunate to get that win. Rams, I think, are a better team than a lot of people are giving them credit for, and I think they bounce back here, get a road win in Indianapolis. Battle of 0-3s. Vikings in Carolina to take on the Panthers. This is just a really, really bad game. Um, but for me, the Vikings shouldn't be favored against anyone. Um, yes, Justin Jefferson's outstanding, but they're not really blocking well. Madison fumbles. Cousins throws picks. Um, yeah, Addison's been nice so far, but do you really trust anyone besides Jefferson in a big spot? Like, Hawkinson has made some plays, I guess. Osborne's made some plays, but a lot of fumblers, a lot of guys that call, that give the ball away on that Viking offense. And then, besides Hunter, I don't really love their defense. Harrison Smith is aging at safety pretty quickly. He's been a great player, but... Um, you see him more and more being late to where the point of attack is and, and being late to spots that he normally used to be in early. So Minnesota shouldn't be favored against anyone, even though Carolina stinks. Bryce Young is back. Um, I think Frank Reich at some point will find a way to win a home game with, the, with these guys. And the Carolina defense here and there has shown me some things. So I'm going to go with Carolina at home in a game that Minnesota should never be favored against anyone. Neither should Carolina, so I guess this game should be a pick em. And I'd still take the home team, so give me Carolina. Tampa and New Orleans, NFC South showdown. Probably the two best teams um, arguably in this division right now. I think Atlanta is good at home, but we don't know what they are away. So... Especially now when you probably have one more road game than a home game or one more home game. than That means more, right? So I think Atlanta can certainly win that division. But right now, if you said, okay, New Orleans or Tampa in the South, I'd say, all right, that makes sense. You're making me pick between those two teams. Like Atlanta's out, fine. I get it. But Tampa coming off uh, a loss to the Eagles where they never really got it going, and then they made some plays and immediately gave it back whether those were like turnovers and then giving it right back or uh, getting the pick and then having the safety. Like, that was brutal. New Orleans going with Jameis with Carr banged up, but they get Kamara back off suspension. I think that'll help. I think for New Orleans' sake, this game being at home is huge. Jameis will be able to play in, in front of his crowd. Um... And even though, you know, I love Bake and I like a lot of those guys on Tampa, the defense and, and Evans and some of the Godwin's good and some of those guys, I think it's a really, really tough ask. Short week. Now you go on the road in division against a, a team that's it's really tough to play there. 
Give me the Saints even with Jameis. Washington and Philly. NFC East showdown. Washington's got to bounce back after that horrendous performance at home against the Bills. But now they play one of the other really very good teams in the league, in the Eagles. So tough part of being in a tough division when you have two really good teams in, in the Eagles and the Cowboys. You got two games against those teams, and they're going to come up after possibly tough games against other teams. So that's where Washington is right now. The only good thing I guess you could say is they get the Eagles on a short week. Um, but again, it's a tough ask. Like we know, we know they've beaten them recently there. But I still believe it's going to be a really, really tough spot for the commanders to go to Philadelphia and beat the Eagles. So Eagles find a way. The running game's been really good. Swift's been really good. You got to give them credit. Um, and A.J. Brown asked for the ball more and got it. So. I guess asking, they, you shall receive, they say. Miami-Buffalo. Uh, I don't think this will be as high-scoring as people think. I understand that both teams have put it up last couple weeks now with offenses heating up. Um, Miami hanging 70, as we know. Buffalo nearly putting up 40 on the road in uh, Washington. So we know both offenses are good, but I think both defenses will play a bigger role than people are thinking here. And also, like, even if it does get into the 20s, like, people, I think the total's 54 or 55. Like, that's that's a little high. So I think now to pick the game, Miami's going to be fortunate going to Buffalo right now. I think they're going to be really, really happy with that and understand that this is an opportunity for them to grab this one. Um, whereas Buffalo really needs this one because they're going to go to Miami later in the season, which it's going to be warm, but it's going to be humid. They probably don't want to do that, but here we go. So I, if Miami's ever going to beat Buffalo up there, it's this weekend. But I just see Buffalo being a little too much at home. Maybe they get a call or two. And, I mean, Miami just can't hang, you know, 50 to 70 points back-to-back weeks. That's just, I just don't believe that could happen. So, uh, even though I love their offense, they should get Waddle back, which will be big. But I think it's just very, very tough to go up there and win. Uh, so, give me the Bills at home, even though I do love the Dolphins, especially this season. Cincinnati and Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee could really use a win. They're just not good enough. Um, they got issues at quarterback. They're trying to. They're kind of doing like a changing of the guard of, of the franchise. Cincinnati, if they can get back to two and two, everything would be you know the ship would be righted. You know, short week for them, but it's not a big travel. Those two states being close together there. So I think Cincinnati, better team, more talented team. I love Rabel. I think he's the better coach than Zach Taylor. Uh, but sometimes if you don't have the talent, the more talent, that, that really catches up with you. So uh, give me Cincinnati. Baltimore-Cleveland. This is a really, really interesting game. If this game was in Baltimore, I'd, I'd love the Ravens' chances. But I just think there's just too many injuries that the Ravens are going to have to overcome on both sides of the ball. The running back position is banged up. The offensive line is banged up. Uh, some of the skill guys are banged up for Lamar. And then you look at the defense, like Queen and Roquan Smith are giving it all, but the secondary is missing so many guys. The front line is missing so many guys. So it's really, really tough for Baltimore. But, hey, Cleveland is missing their all-pro back. Um, now the defense that Cleveland has is outstanding. Offensively, I don't I haven't loved what I've seen out of the these Watson Browns. However, you gotta realize they lost their guy. They lost their big guy. So um I'll say this. I think Baltimore finds a way to win the game. I think Lamar makes a couple more plays than Deshaun. These two have dueled going back to the Louisville Clemson days, so they know each other well. And I think Lamar especially after last week, especially after kind of leaving it up to the kickers or leaving it up to other people. I could really see him 
running more, scrambling more, especially having to get away from that Miles Garrett-led pass rush from that Browns front. So give me the Ravens with Lamar making some plays. Don't ever say I don't pick them. 10 for Chicago in another horrible game. I almost picked Chicago for pick six, um, but I took him out last second because I'm already taking a horrible game like that, and if you, you figure that out, um, if you could put two and two together with the context clues of me picking the games already. But this game, Denver should not be a favorite to anybody. They're terrible, even though I love Sean Payton and I haven't you know, really hated Ross. Or not. They're, they're really bad. And that Bulls quote, the offensive lineman, like, I've been here seven years, all I've done is loss, lose. Like, think about how good the Broncos were, you know. Elway, yeah, they went down a little bit, but Tebow got him back a little bit there. And then, you know, for Peyton Manning to come in there, they win a Super Bowl. Like, they were really good and perennial, like, contenders. And, you know, some guys have just gotten there and, and have stunk. Oh, man, that's brutal. So they shouldn't be favored to anyone. But Chicago is really, really bad. Um, I think Denver wins the game, but don't be surprised if Chicago hangs in it at home. Fields is probably the most athletic player on the field. Um, and maybe he'll make a couple more plays. But I'm going to lean. I'll lean Denver, but Chicago hangs in. Vegas and the L.A. Chargers. Chargers getting some injury news with Mike Williams tearing his ACL. Very unfortunate. It seems like him and Keenan Allen, uh, one of the two of them, always tear their ACL, always have a season-ending injury, and th they just aren't you know, fortunate enough to play so many games together because they're just a top duo that everyone seems to forget about because they're never in the lineup together, which is so unfortunate. But that being said, the Charger defense has playmakers, you know, Bosa, Mack, Derwin James on the back end. That being said, um, they have the ability to give us some points. I think the Raiders are an offense that's kind of waiting to drop 20, drop 30, because they have playmakers. Jacob's running the football. Jimmy G is a competent quarterback at this level. Devontae Adams is outstanding. Uh, an outstanding receiver, and a guy like Hunter Renfro, I don't understand how he doesn't have six to seven catches a game. I mean, just throw it to him, he always catches it. He always catches it. So I think both offenses are going to wake up a little bit here. Yes, you know, Vegas has Max Crosby, and he'll certainly make some plays, but I think there's, you know, Dicker and Carlson, both good kickers, so if they do get into long range, I, I see them making those type of kicks, especially inside. Um so I think you're going to get points in this one, and the Chargers sneak one out. They sneak one out. Arizona and San Francisco, uh, if the Cowboys beat down on Arizona last week, I'd say, okay, no chance for them to beat the Niners. But there is a slighter more chance because they have shown the ability to play above their level against a team that's better than them. Now, the Niners at home, Dallas was on the road. To be fair, even though a lot of Cowboy fans travel. Niners at home. For me, with Purdy just winning football games, McCaffrey and Mitchell running the football, Debo, Ayuk, add Ronnie Bell to that. Kittle's the best tight end, or one of the best tight ends in the league. Sorry, Charlie Taylor's boyfriend. I'm, I, don't come for me, Swifties. Um, Kittle's an outstanding blocking tight end let alone reception tight end. And then defensively, they're so good. There's so many players at each level of the defense. Niners are too good here. Do they cover the 14? Maybe, maybe not, but they're too good to lose at home to the Cardinals. So, give me the Niners in that one. Speaking of the dumb Cowboys, they host the Patriots. It's a return for Ezekiel Elliott back to Dallas. Just a few um, you know, weeks into his new tenure with the Pats. I told you for years now, people were telling, you know, when's Tony Pollard going to be the number one back? When, there's not a number one back. There are two different backs for two different, like Zeke. And I'm not going to say like 
the Cowboys' red zone would be solved by Zeke. That's not what I'm saying, but the physicality of running, you know, inside the five-yard line is much different than running from, I don't know, the 45-yard line, right? So, I think the Cowboys definitely miss Zeke. I would have loved to bring him back. You're going to say, AJ, you're just a fanboy. Fine. I, that's fine. I don't, I can't disagree with that. Like, if that's what your, your, your response is, fine. No worries. But, I think Cowboys are the better team. You would have said that last week, um, and they lost. But, Cowboys at home. Better quarterback, not better coach team. Cowboys have the better defense, even though the Patriot defense is good. Uh, Cowboys have better skill position players. I think that's obvious. The Patriots' skill position players are not good enough, not NFL level, and I think that hurts Mac Jones as well. So the only way Pats win this game is Mac Jones masterclass and Belichick masterclass. They shut down the Cowboy offense and do enough to the Cowboy defense where they can't pin their ears back and just rush the passer. So... Cowboys get up two scores. This game will get ugly. Cowboys and Patriots kind of trade the lead. Patriots could steal it at the end, uh, but the Cowboys should win the game. This happened in week one. It was Giants Sunday night and Jets Monday night. Now it's Jets Sunday night, Giants Monday night. So primetime, back-to-back games at MetLife for the country. Kansas City and the Jets on Sunday night. Seattle and the Giants on Monday night. First trip for Mahomes to MetLife, if I'm not mistaken. The Jets are in trouble here. Um, only shot the Jets have is if they get multiple turnovers, short fields, and, and they have to score touchdowns. They can't beat the Chiefs with field goals. Um, they can't expect to score you know, 13 to 17 points and win this game. They have to get in the 20s. I just don't think that's doable right now with the way this offense is cl- going. Um, and not clicking, so give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs going away. I mean, I know it's a popular pick, but it's it's really tough time for for the Jets, especially offensively, and you're going to have to score. Like, there are really good teams where you can say, okay, we just got to get in a dogfight and give ourselves a chance. No, the Chiefs, you have to score against. Now, you can say, well, what about the Jacksonville game? There you go. They tried to get in a dogfight, and Jacksonville couldn't score more than nine points. You're not going to win with nine points. Like, they held the Chiefs to 17, so they did a good job there. But they only scored nine. I can see the Jets only scoring nine, and the Chiefs scoring, like, 35. Okay? So, give me the Chiefs big. And then Seattle and the Giants on Monday night. You know, I'm not impressed with Seattle. I think Geno Smith is a great story. I think he's got some weapons, but I'm not overly impressed uh, with what I'm seeing out of Seattle, especially defensively. To give up that many points to Carolina, I think that's a bad job, especially at home. So I'll I'll say this. Seattle is not impressed, but the Giants are not good. And you want to talk about a team that read all their press clippings, read all the previews about them being good and them being ready to challenge the Eagles and the Cowboys in the NFC East and be like, why not the Giants? Why can't the Giants make a run? Because they're bad. They're a bad football team. And you'd be like, oh, you're just a hit. Listen. Show me how they're a good football team. I say the wins over the Cardinals. Yeah, your team lost the Cardinals. Okay. And that's even more embarrassing. But the Giant fans trotting around the comeback win against the Cardinals, like, season's back on. Look out. Come on. Now, if you beat Seattle at home, it's a good job. It's a good job. But I don't see that happening. Give me Seattle, even though I don't like that team. All right, from the pros to the student-athletes, college football week five, we got four rank-versus-rank opponent uh, matchups in this week. Colorado just outside uh, the top 25, them versus USC. So that's another rank game in my book. So we got number 11, Notre Dame, traveling down to Durham to take on number 17, Duke. Elko's been an outstanding coach for Duke. Leonard's done a really nice job under center, not turning the ball under over and, and... and doing a really good job of moving that offense and getting points and and keeping Duke ahead of the chains and and ahead on the scoreboards. Now, Notre Dame, you know, offensively last week, there were some moments where you're like, here comes this Notre Dame offense, but there were other moments where you're like, oh, my God, another terrible possession. What the hell are we doing? So I think the Notre Dame offense will wake up a little bit. They got to be better in the red zone. We saw Clemson be terrible in the red zone against Duke, and it really cost them. So, you know, I mean, the, the blueprint's out there. 
with how you got to beat Duke in a big spot, especially if you're on the road. So I'll say this. Notre Dame, I think, bounces back. They're a really good football team. I like Freeman. Uh, not saying I don't like Elko. He's a great coach, too. But I think Notre Dame is just a little bit too much. Bounce back spot for them. It's it's deflating the way they lost at home. But no rest for the weary. I think that's great that they can get back and play a tough team on the road and just get right back into it. So give me the Irish. Utah and Oregon State. Um, I'm seeing Oregon State favored in this game, and I, I think that's only because they're home because I think Utah's a better team. I think Utah's a better coach team. I don't hate DJU, but he did not play a great game against uh, Wazoo on the Palouse last week. And they were fortunate to make that game close. Like, it should have been a score-for-score score game, but Wazoo keep, kept building that lead to two scores, and uh, Oregon State would make it close again, and Wazoo would stretch the difference. And they would make it close again, and Wazoo would stretch the difference. And then they finally got a touchdown and then almost got the onside kick but didn't. So that's how that game ended, only a uh, three-point game. But Utah impressed me defensively against UCLA. They didn't need a, mu a, mu a ton offensively. They're going to need more offensively this game. So I'm going to need Utah to score. But I think defensively, they can turn DJU over. They can turn the Beavers over. They can do a better job in the run game than Wazoo did. Uh, so give me Utah to get the roadie here. Kansas and Texas. Uh, look ahead spot for Texas with Red River coming up soon. Kansas ranked again. Good for them. Um, it's outstanding to see, but this is a tough spot going down to Austin. You don't want this matchup. Um, Texas is really good. This could get ugly and, and it's not a knock on Kansas, but if they're not in the game early in this game, this could get ugly. That could get ugly. LSU travels down to Ole Miss. Ole Miss coming off that tough loss against Bama where they were in the game. I don't want to say in control of the game, but let up a big play that cost them. LSU, for me, this is going to be Daniels making more plays than Dart and finding a way to win the game on the road. So give me LSU there. USC, Colorado. Um, I think Colorado will have a better performance. I don't think the result is going to be much different than last week against Oregon. I expect them to get beat convincingly, but I do think they will have a better performance offensively just because the SC defense, though it's talented, is not as good as the Oregon defense, number one. Um, number two, you can't have back-to-back -back horrific blocking weeks like you did uh, last week against Oregon, giving up seven sacks uh, for Sanders. So, I think the Colorado defense will play a little bit better. That might not be saying much because the USC offense is really good as well. So you got that. And then also I think the USC defense is a little more gettable than the Oregon defense. So Colorado might hang around a little bit, but USC still wins the game. Uh, so give me the Trojans. Penn State Northwestern. Uh, this could be really, really ugly, especially because Franklin loves to run up a score. Um he did it last week against a ranked opponent. He will do it against unranked opponents, too. Florida against Kentucky. Battle of the uh, transfer quarterbacks here. I like Kentucky in this spot. Florida has not impressed me. I, I know they beat um, Tennessee at home, but Tennessee did not play well in that game. So give me Kentucky. Georgia and Auburn. I know a lot of people talking about Auburn You know, in the game against A&M there. I just, I, for me, they're not ready yet for you, Freeze. They're not ready, and UGA will win that game convincingly. Michigan's going to blow out Nebraska, and Nebraska stinks. So that could get ugly. That might be a Michigan. That might be, like, Michigan's first, like, yeah, but we went on the road in Nebraska and killed them. Like, that might be their first one of those. Mizzou is taking on Vandy. Vandy's bad. Oregon takes on a Stanford team that, you know, you look at the last 10, 15 years, Stanford has been a thorn in the Ducks' side, so anytime Oregon can put it on them, they want to, they will. Iowa State takes on Oklahoma. Could be a look-ahead spot for Oklahoma, as I alluded to. Texas look-ahead spot. Um, but Iowa State's going to get their coach fired. 
that's tough because what a couple of years ago he could have named a job and he would have got it. So OU for me will win that game convincingly, even though it's a look at spot. South Carolina, Tennessee. This is an upset spot for Tennessee. Uh Rattler, good enough quarterback to go win on the road and, and take over an environment and, and find a way to win a game. So I think Tennessee wins, but they should be on upset alert. Bam is going to blow up Mississippi State. Mississippi State is not good enough. Washington might be the best team in the country, um, and nobody's really talking about them. Penix is so good, so I think they'll handle their business against Arizona. And then how about Nevada being ranked 25, taking on Fresno State anywhere? Anyone, any place, anytime. Fresno State. So that'll be a war. All right, to the footy. EPL weekend, Villa Brighton. That'll be an exciting game. Uh, two good managers in Emory and Deserby. Brighton have a lot of a lot of the talented players, as do Villa, uh, especially attacking players. So if both teams want to attack there and play an open game, that could get 2-2-3-3. Two, two, three, three. Wolves, Man City, this could be a bloodbath. Uh, I understand it's still at the Monliu, which is a great atmosphere, but Wolves don't have a ton of guys that can score goals. You know, it's really Neto and Hwang, to be fair, um, consistently at least. Man City have player after player after player. They lose De Bruyne. They just bring in Doku to cover guys on the wing. And they get Nunes. And they got Kovacic already. So, Rodri's suspended. So, he'll be out of the team. So, Kovacic will probably be in the middle of the park. Maybe he even plays Stones there. We'll see again if he goes back to that system. But, um, Man City will win convincingly. West Ham, Sheffield United. Big spot for West Ham to get three points after... Um, a tough one at Anfield. They seem to just play all right at Anfield and never get a big result. So, um, West Ham get the win. Sheffield United is bad. Newcastle, Burnley. Burnley's in a tough spot. You know, again, another club that kind of came up and, and didn't, you know, make some prem signings. Newcastle coming off, putting eight past Sheffield United. So, hopefully they save some goals for this weekend, but... Um, they're in form. And Wilson and Isak score every game. It doesn't matter who starts, who comes off the bench. It seems like they score every game. So uh, Newcastle win that one. Manchester United, Crystal Palace. This is an interesting game. United have a lot of banged up guys. Crystal Palace can set up differently depending on the players and squad that is named by the manager, Hodgson. So, I think Man U is the better team, but don't be shocked if Crystal Palace scores first or hangs on or finds a way to get a result. Everton, Luton. Everton have shown a little bit of life, uh, whether it's Jacore, um, Calvert-Lewin getting involved. They're scoring some goals, and that's a sign of a team that's fighting for their lives and, and, and positively fighting for their lives. So I like those signs from Everton. Luton, for me, is really, really bad. They're really, really bad, and they're going down. So here's a spot for Everton. This is a six-pointer, and... You know, you don't want to be involved in this going to the last match day, going to the second last match day about relegation. You can be a bad team, fine, but get out of this fight as soon as you can. And if you beat up on the teams at the bottom that you think are going down, hey, you get some get some points that way. Bournemouth Arsenal at the Vitality. Arsenal dropping points at home against Tottenham. Bournemouth in the game against Brighton, but then give up the lead and concede. Arteta will be mindful of, you know, midweek games now and rotating the squad, but if he wants to do everything he did last year except and finish it this time, you go to teams below you, you go to their grounds, and you get three points. That's what you do. So I expect that from Arsenal. Tottenham-Liverpool, 2-1 beaten sides. Uh, you know, this match over the recent years has changed with the defensive structure after Pochettino, whether it was Mourinho, um, 
Conte, you know, caretaker managers, set up to defend, set up to counter, set up not really to play out and out football. Now with Big Ange, it's going to be interesting. This game could be a 3-3, a 3-2, a 5-4, a 4-3 if both managers want to let their guys run and play and score. So this will be an exciting one. Um, Liverpool have reworked the midfield with Sobosly and McAllister. And, of course, you know, other signings in, in like an Endo and Graven Birch. And, you know, Thiago will be coming back soon from injury. And I just think Liverpool are in a really good moment, as are Tottenham. Tottenham are very solid. You know, the midfield three, the front three, Stone can be versatile. You can bring Richarlison off the bench if you want to play another wing player instead of Stone. Um on the wing and Richarlison up, up top. You can put Sone up top and another wing player besides Kulosevsky. Madison in the 10. Basuma and Saar have been a really, really nice, you know, balance between a pivot, double pivot, and then a single pivot when one wants to go forward. I do question the defense still. Uh, Destiny, the left back, Adogi. Pedro Poro is not a traditional right back for me. Romero, yes, won a World Cup, but I don't love that his partner kind of changes next to him. You know, Van de Ven is now the latest one, right? Vicario's been all right. Vicario's been all right in replacing Lloris. But for me, this Liverpool team, you know, Klopp has five guys that he can put up front that can score goals. He's got a midfield that he can trust, and Alexander-Arnold should be back at right back for this one at the weekend. But he's got defenders that he can play. So that'll be a really good match. Uh, Forrest, Brentford. Forrest need everything they can get. It's a tough ass. Brentford are good. Uh, Frank has that team humming. And Tony is back training, I believe, but can't play until January. So that's a good sign. He'll be back soon. Then we get a London Derby to wrap up the weekend. Fulham, Chelsea. Listen, Chelsea need a win in the worst way. If they go to Craven Cottage, find a way to get three points away from home. For Pochettino, it would be big. It would be very, very big. Now, I've seen a lot of Chelsea fans kind of be um, resonated to the fact that, hey, this is what they're going to be like until the kids get good, until the kids figure out each other, until the youngsters that they have, the you know, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds can you know stay healthy and play matches together and get that chemistry together, you're going to struggle because – it's a team of almost all young people in Tiago Silva. That's it. That's pretty much the veterans, right? Um, but, hey, they got an opportunity against a team that they could certainly beat away from home. Now, Fulham turned it over from Mitrovic to Jimenez has been a changeover because Mitrovic you could just continue to count on in big spots. I'm not sure Jimenez can do that yet, so we'll see. La Liga, some midweek results. Barca and Mallorca draw 2-2. Real Madrid beat Las Palmas 2-0. Brahimi Diaz and Joss Lou, the goal scorers. Aswana play Atletico on Thursday. Then we have Barca-Sevilla over the weekend. Girona and Real Madrid. And then Atletico-Cadiz. Midweek, Serie A, Juve beat Lecce 1-0. A milk goal. Atalanta beat Hellas Verona 1-0. Milan beat Cagliari 3-1. Tomori and Loftus-Cheek, the English goal scorers on the sheet for the Italians. Napoli beat Udinese 4-1. Zelensky, Penn, Osman, and Kravashelli, and Simeone scoring. Uh, the Osman TikTok put out by the... That's a bad That's a bad job. It's a bad job. It's disgusting. Lazio, Turin. Lazio won a 2-0. Sassuolo upset Inter 2-1. The weekend action. Genoa hosts Roma. Napoli visit Lecce. AC Milan or San Siro taking on Lazio. Inter travel to San Martina. Atlanta hosts Juventus. And Roma hosts Rosnioni. Bundesliga Hoffenheim and Dortmund. Mainz and Leverkusen. Bayern Munich travel to Red Bull Leipzig. Liga 1, Clermont and PSG. Clermont. Clermont. All right. Ryder Cup 2023 edition in Europe format course. Friday and Saturday there are foursomes. And then there are four ball sessions. Foursomes are alternate shots. Four ball is uh, you play your own ball. It's the best score from you or your teammate on the hole. So four sessions of foursomes, four sessions of four ball on Friday, four sessions of foursomes, four sessions of four ball on Saturday. And then we have, of course, Sunday singles. The course 
It's described as a match play course. The Marco Simeone just outside Rome, about eight seven eight point seven miles from you know center Rome, where the Parthenon, the Trevi Fountain, the Spanish Steps, the Colosseum, um, all of those famously are if you've ever been. It's very, very, and for myself as a historian, I love it. Uh, it's a par 71, bunch of short par 4s, and the par 5s seem to be gettable. A lot of downhill holes, a lot of interesting short par 3s where, you know, they're trying to give you birdie if you make a good shot. So the course, especially down the stretch, I believe 16 is a drivable par 4, 17 is a par 3, and 18 is a par 5. So if the matches get to those final three holes, it's going to be really, really exciting finishes for Sure. So the last five Ryder Cups, we had the U.S. domination 19-9 at Whistling Straits. Europe blew out the U.S. at Le National in France. Good U.S. win at Hazeltine 17-11. And Europe at Glen Eagles 16.5 to 11.5. And then the famous one, the closest Ryder Cup we've had in a long time, the comeback for the Europeans 14.5 to 13.5 at Medina. One of the bigger choke jobs. Um, in American golf history, a day that I will never forget, a day that uh, will live in infamy. Phil choked. A lot of guys choked. Um, so that was bad. That was bad. And you think that was bad, folks? The U.S. has not won on European soil since 1993, and it's six in a row at home for the Europeans at this point. Listen, this competition, if you look back on it, was won by the United States. When it was held in the United States, when it was held in Europe, the U.S. would win the competition. Now, you look back, a man named Sebi Ballesteros started to change all that. Him, Nick Faldo, Althabel, um, some of the Scots, some other Englishmen. You know, they really changed the narrative, especially about the U.S. going over to Europe and trying to win. It is very difficult to go to Europe and win a Ryder Cup. Um, so the U.S. team is going to try to do it. Zach Johnson's team, Scheffler, Homa, Cantley, Shoffley, Clark, Harmon, the captain's picks, Morikawa, Spieth, Fowler, Burns, JT, and Brooks Kepka. The European team, Rory, Rahm, Hatton, Hovland, Fleetwood, Fitz, Lowry, Rose, Straka, Hogard, Aberg, or Robbie Mack. So four rookies on each team. Uh, Homa, Clark, Harmon, and Burns for the U.S. For the Europeans, Straka, Hogard, Eberg, and Robbie Mack. So you usually get at least two matches. Most guys get three or four. Um, very rarely do you see somebody just get one. Very rarely. Um, that just doesn't happen. Just really doesn't happen. So. Listen, U.S. gets dominated dominated in alternate shot always, especially over there in Europe. So they got to find a way to keep it close in foursomes in those early sessions on Friday and Saturday. And then four ball, they usually hang in. They usually hang in and win some of those. Um, but alternate shot, they usually don't do well. So. We'll see, and then if they can keep it close and make Sunday singles very interesting, that'll make it a fun Sunday morning appetizer ahead of NFL football. You'll have that. You'll have a Wembley game to uh, contend with as well. So looking forward to the Ryder Cup over the weekend. So now we get to the picks portion of the show, and we start with Survivor Pool Locks. Seven and two through three weeks. Um, breaking a rule. Actually, breaking a rule in each three of these games, unfortunately. A lot of close spreads this week. A lot of close games that people are anticipating. But I think we found three winners here. So we'll go Philadelphia first. Taking on the Commanders at home. I know it's a short week for Philly, but they're the better team. Um... Howell's going to throw picks. They're going to turn the ball over. Eagle defense will jump on that. 
Eagles will control the ball. They'll be able to run the football, and then they'll be able to throw the football off the run. Eagles at home over the Commanders. Pick number one. Pick number two, another in-division game. Another home team in-division. I think it'll be a popular pick. The Niners at home against the Cardinals. Going to be very tough for the Cardinals to follow up their upset of the Cowboys with an upset of a arguably better team in the Niners. So for that reason, we'll go San Francisco, pick number two, the Niners against the Cardinals at home. And pick number three, especially if she's in the building, but Taylor's new boyfriend's team, Chiefs take on the Jets. Jets cannot score. If the Chiefs score more than 17 points, they run away with this game. The Jets cannot score points. I mean, it's just very obvious with the offense that they have right now. So give me Kansas City at Jet Life, pick number three. So Eagles at home against the Commies. Niners at home against the Cardinals. And the Chiefs away at Jet Life taking on the New York Football Jets on Sunday Night Football. 7-2 through three weeks. That is the week four survivor pool locks. All right, next up. We started off very good here um, in the pick six. So we got to bounce back after two eh weeks. So here we go. The FFFSOSS pick six for week four in the National Football League. The league where they play. The pack. Ten and eight through three weeks. Not great, but not terrible. We've been in worse spots, that's for sure. So we'll try to get a good week going here. We'll take the Wembley game. I think there's going to be points here. I think both offenses wake up a little bit after dead weeks. I think Lawrence and company get it going. I think Ritter has a better game. He gets it to his playmakers. Robinson. Pitts. London, I think he gets it more to those guys. Lawrence and company get the ball in the end zone. So we're going Atlanta, Jacksonville, over 43, pick number one. Pick number two. I know Houston put it on Jacksonville, and defensively they did all right as well. I don't think offensively they will be able to do what they did against Jacksonville, against Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's a much better defense. No offense to Jacksonville. I just think Pittsburgh's in that. Maybe a tier or two above that. No offense. But I like Pittsburgh's defense. I like Pittsburgh's identity in holding the ball, controlling the clock, running the football, not making mistakes. I think the clock will run in this game. I think if Houston thinks they can win this game, they'll try to win it a similar way. So I think both teams are going to run the ball. Both teams are going to be kicking some field goals. Pittsburgh, Houston, under 43, pick number two. Pick number three... I think they're begging you to take the Colts. This might be a popular underdog pick. But just give me McVay and Stafford and Donald over Steckton. Probably Gardner Minshew again, if not a rookie Richardson, who's been okay. And a Colts defense that did all right against the Ravens. Kept them in check, made some plays, were benefited of some turnovers. So pick number three, we're going to go Rams plus one in Indianapolis. It might be a popular underdog, which worries me a little bit, but that's where we're leaning. Pick number three, Rams plus one in Indianapolis. Pick number four, this is a, this is a pick that you're going to hate, and this is a pick that I hate. But if I've learned anything from listening to Stu Finer for hours is you want to make picks, you want to be a capper, you want to get in this, you got to make picks that you hate. And to even take this game, and to even think about considering taking the other game that was this bad. But Carolina plus four against Minnesota at home is pick number four. Minnesota should not be favored against anyone. Yes, Carolina is not good. Yes, I don't necessarily love Frank Wright. 
yes, Bryce Young is a rookie and he's coming off missing a game, so he's not in rhythm. All those things can be true. But the Minnesota Vikings should not be favored against anyone. They are not a good football team. They find ways to lose. They find ways to turn the ball over. So even if they win this game, it will not be convincingly. It will not be by multiple touchdowns. If anything, it's by a field goal. And therefore, we win. So give me Carolina, the home team, plus four against Minnesota. I don't love it. I hate it. And that's why I love it. Carolina plus four. Pick number four. For week number four. Pick number five. You could argue that I'm trying to be a little too sharp here, and I would understand that. But Miami Buffalo, you'd say, oh, it's high. It's high for a reason. He's taking the over, right? No. I think it's too high. I think if this was in, you know, 49, 51, maybe I'd think about it. But I think 55 is just a little too much. Maybe a couple drives end in turnover on downs. Maybe a couple drives end up in field goals instead of touchdowns. Miami's not hanging 70. Buffalo, I don't think, is hanging 37. I think both offenses come back down to earth a little bit. I think both defenses make a couple more plays than they did previously. So give me Dolphins, Bills, under 55, pick number five. Now pick number six. We got four totals and two underdogs this week. Pick number six, Vegas, Chargers. I think both of those teams are going to score. I think it's going to be an over 48. So Vegas and the LA Chargers, over 48, pick number six. So pick number one, the over in Wembley, Falcons, Jags, over 43. Pick number two, Pittsburgh, Houston, under 43. I like the defenses to bounce back there. Rams plus one in Indy. I know it could be a popular pick. I don't care. Carolina plus four. I hate it, but I love it. So give me the Panthers plus four against the Vikings at home. Pick number five, Dolphins, Bills, under 55. It's too many points. And then Raiders, Chargers, over 48. Falcons, Jags, over 43. Steelers, Texans, under 43. Rams plus one. Panthers plus four, Dolphins, Bills, under 55, Raiders, Chargers, over 48. The FFF, SOSS, pick six for week four, the National Football League. That's so fun. I love doing that segment. That's one of my favorites. All right. So hopefully everybody enjoys the football over the weekend, NFL Week 4, College Football Week 5. We got some good footy matchups as well, but also tune into that Ryder Cup. That's some that's some very, very fun uh, golf to watch and, and one of the better competitions in all sports, in my opinion. So make sure you check that out. We'll recap it all on Tuesday's show. Everybody have a great weekend. Talk to you then. Until then, peace. Football, football, and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.